Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of CQP Moments. As always, I'm your host, the Coupon Queen Pen. Guys, I have a rock star of an international guest today. His name is Carl DeLue, and he is going to share with us an amazing gift. So let's take a moment out, and I'll be right back with Carl. So guys, like I was saying, I have Carl DeLue. And actually, when I found out about him, I knew I had to have him on. So Carl, would you please introduce yourself to my listeners? Hello, Queenpin. I'm so lucky to have uh, you interview me. Thanks a lot. I'm uh, I'm originally South African, from Pretoria, South Africa, the heart of apartheid. Grew up there in the 60s, 70s. Uh, then moved to London and Dublin, and I'm currently in London, UK. Like your world traveled. Okay, so you like you're you've been all over. This is amazing. I love that. Okay, so. I have a question. You said you grew up in apartheid in the 60s. I mean, we always hear about that, but what was that like? Like, we, we always hear, okay, you know, we hear what the, what the history books tell us and what we see on television and CNN. And I guess really what I'm asking is, what was your personal experience with that? My personal experience is that I grew up in a very in a situation where everything was given to you. Um, you know, I grew up in a Victoria. The area I grew up was all white. Uh, there was no person living in in the area that's black. So the closest black community was Mama Lodi, which was I don't know t- uh, ten minutes away, and that was a black community. So, however, the uh, most of the houses, certainly in the 60s, 70s, I suppose it's still a lot like that, is the um, domestic help were living. So a lot of whites and Africans were actually brought up, to, to say sort of straight by black nannies. Um, so it's a, it's a sort of a strange situation that a lot of South Africans would actually understand um, to be straight again, black people very well because we were brought up uh, by them, by black people. Yeah, that that was what you know. I mean, we we saw it when we watched things like uh, Mandela, you know, and all the other things because that was what we were taught was that at least here in the states was that you know the living help were black people so it was there was really a big big divide it was i would say would would you say it was more than segregation because in other words the only black people you saw were really you know were really the living help well you 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 saw black people all over uh you know when you walk outside and stuff like that so that wasn't segregation from that perspective but as far as 
you know, where you lived, no black person could own a house. So, and then we, we were in white schools only because you had your black areas and your, that was apartheid segregation, total segregation. It wasn't like the States. Uh, it was, uh, you know, 10 times worse from that perspective. Right, so I grew up right. in an all white uh, school and, um, you know, and uh, um, however, and I'm not saying this now just because I'm speaking to you, growing up uh, in secondary school and, and my family is known very for that, we were very outspoken. I always said, if I was a black person, I would, um, I would be the biggest terrorist out. And, you know, and, and that is links in with what we're going to discuss dyslexia and it's the Black Lives Matter. It's, it's um, feeling for the other person that's not going through the same journey as yourself. Exactly, exactly. And I think, I think that was kind of the, the difference when, you know, apartheid was abolished was the whole you know having a sort of empathy for those that were different than you that didn't have that same journey so what would you say what would you say is your biggest takeaway now being an adult as opposed to growing up in that biggest takeaway um it's a difficult one. The one I haven't fully answered you on on the previous question is that you have to feel very, I think, as a white South African being brought up in that period, guilty because you just didn't do anything, you know. But sort of after the event, is sort of no excuse. You just took it for granted. That's life, and um, and. You know, I just sort of wish as an individual did more, uh, you know, for breaking down the barriers. But that's, you know, uh, you know, so, um, but I think that I'm just thinking takeaway. The, the, the takeaway is that um, I don't like referring to myself, but I've written three books and perhaps we can still have a chat about our other two books later on. Uh, the one is on health. And the other one is on the universe, world peace. And I think growing up, and, and they very sort of the opposite of what society is saying. And the same with this lecture that we can discuss now today. What I'm promoting is sort of going against, completely against the grain. And the takeaway is that someone like myself, coming from a place like Victoria, South Africa, can actually change and having this discussion with you now and uh you know if it maybe if i didn't grow up in that society i wouldn't have the hunger for change mm, i love that i the, the other take that. the other take i just want to say is that so africa has been quite a miracle now you know since apartheid since nelson Mandela came out you know it's it's um it's you know there's no apartheid anymore now there's still certain people with certain feelings whatever because you know it takes years to break down but so africa is is quite a miracle country from you know from that perspective there's still sort of crime unfortunately and things like that so th you can have change you know and looking at black lives matter 
you know, you had uh, Freud, you know, you had the, the, the knee and the throat incidents, but now just before Christmas, you had someone else dying again. And, you know, how long does it take to, um, you know, how, many, how long must this still go on? So I can really put myself into a black person's shoes and say, you know, this is just terrible. Yeah, it's it's one of those things of a lot of times you have to look at it from another person's perspective just in order to get that clarity, you know? Um, okay, so you have mentioned, just to switch gears here a little bit, you have mentioned that you are you have a book out about dyslexia and why okay what prompted you i mean i know what prompted you but what prompted you to write the book um so when i grew up in south africa i wasn't good at read writing and spelling my brothers had a's in english and afrikaans which was our main language and but i I just survived and I, anything to do with that, I sort of, like an alcoholic, I just kept it close to my chest and didn't really discuss it. Sort of the weakness that you can't discuss. Then I moved, uh, as I mentioned, to overseas, went to London and then we moved to Dublin, my ex and three kids. And then my daughter, second daughter, was taken out of the class. This is sort of 2009. And taken out to learning support teacher. And the learning support teacher then advised us to get um, tested with a psychologist. So the first thing I then said to my uh, wife, my then wife is, we've got to get my daughter back into the class because this is my perception that I felt that the kids would think she's stupid. And then I started researching. I went on Amazon. There was something like 2,500 books on Amazon on dyslexia. So where do you start? And then I found a holistic method to help my daughter and within uh, one hour a week on a Saturday for three months. And within three months, we had our daughter back into the class. So that's, um, yeah, so that's what my, uh, my journey. And then, you know, in front of the psychologist, I opened up that I was dyslexic before and in front of my ex-wife and, and, and my daughter, which I never did before. And um, then what happened is, I had two events in Dublin, small events, um, just speaking about it. And then people were asking for notes. So I started uh, uh, writing up notes and that was the start of, of my book uh, called The Dyslexia Code. Wow. So, okay. Was it that, you know, at that time your daughter was you know, you felt your daughter needed you to prompt that, that made you decide to um, pretty much open up about your own journey with dyslexia? No, I didn't think my daughter needed me for, to open up. I just holistically uh, opened up. And also at the same time, I lost, uh, I was a, a, a quantity surveyor in the building industry. It's like accountant in the building industry. Uh, it's, and and I went into property investment and I invested heavily in Dublin, in a property in Dublin, Ireland. And in the Celtic Tiger years, uh, the subprime crisis, which hit the world uh, early 2008, sort of um, 
meant the banks didn't want to lend money to me. I had I needed more money. So it pulled that property under the property value three years after that went down by 80%. So um, I sat from in that one property, I had like 2 million euro equity, so like two and a half million dollars in equity. Three years later, I was owing the banks that amount. And then wow. it took me eight years to negotiate away. And then that opened other things up and it cost me actually my, my marriage and stuff like that. So it's, it wasn't just purely the, the dyslexia, but what that then did is I then realized that dyslexia is a gift. And that's where my book is very different to 99% of the books out there. Wow. Wow. Okay. So here you are writing this code, writing this book called the dyslexia code and you're giving, you know, you're talking to people all over. What are, what is the response you're getting? Like, what is it, the, the response you're getting when you're having these events? I mean, are people oh, welcoming? Are they, are they, you know, telling you, you shouldn't be talking about this. What what is the response? Well, no, I've um, bec- I've only had two events uh, in Dublin. The one was very small; it was only one couple turned up, and the other event was about fifteen people. And on both events, it was very good events, very interactive. And they, as I mentioned, they asked me for for notes. But then I parked it, and then I wrote two other books called, uh, which will perhaps go into another conversation. And that then took up the next sort of seven eight years of my life and i eventually only published the lecture code in 2017 so i never really discussed it but what i then did is uh so this is all sort of i suppose 2010 ish i end of 2010 i came up with the concept of the international celebration of this lexia event and um it was a massive event that i wanted and all the dis- different dyslexia products and I wanted Sir Richard Branston that's the virgin guy to because he's dyslexic to be the main bell cow sort of the draw card for the event so I started in inviting him once a year and I literally sometimes flew over to London to hand the plan uh, to his office he was never there he's mostly in Nectar Island he said Caribbean islands and um, so then up to I never got an answer and then about two years ago I got an answer finally to say that he'll do the event but he wants four hundred thousand dollars whoa <laughs> yes. that's what I said wow and um, but and he will give all that to charity so I said well Come and speak, and then we we you give all to charity, <laughs> you know, speak for free, and we make and still didn't proceed. So um, then I had to say, okay, well, if that's not going to happen, then I'll just have to do it on my own. So now finally, we've got an event on the 30th of October. It's a Saturday in London, UK. Um, it's all for free, called the uh, International Celebrations Lexia event. And then we're going to have streaming or perhaps it's going to be Zoom tickets, probably Zoom, depending on the numbers. 
I see Zoom can take up to a, a thousand. Um, and to have it more interactive, so because it's it's three speakers, uh, uh, Lady open, uh, Gibby um, Jasper opening, then myself, then on the Davis method, which is the holistic method I use with my daughter, and then a, um, a guy called uh, Richard, um, uh, what's Richard's surname? I'm dyslexia, I forget now. Richard White, Whitehead, Whitehead. And then Sam Rapp, she's a dyslexic poet. And then lunch break, and then in the afternoon, we're going to have uh, question and answers. So even if people are sitting anywhere abroad, hopefully if we're going to have Zoom, uh, and it's all for free, the, uh, we can have some questions and answers to the panel as well. So really interactive. And um, that website, the ticket should be on there by end of February, is icd.world. So it stands for International Celebration of Dyslexia, icd.world. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. So guys, if you are looking to attend this event, his information will be in the show notes because this sounds like a can't miss event. I mean, awesome. Now I noticed that you keep mentioning all of these people with dyslexia. How many, how many people, you know, What's the ratio of people that you would say have dyslexia is like one in 10, one in 25? Um, it's about one in 10. So there's, there's no physical, there's no proper statistics on it. Some websites say five, some 15. So I've just gone for 10. And then dyslexia, you know, is very low down in the autism spectrum. And there's no statistics also, you know, but so most probably including autism and Asperger's, there's most probably anything between 10 and 15%. So it's a big uh, portion of the, of the population. Wow. So a lot of, a lot of people have, more people have dyslexia than we would think. Yes. And the, what I realized through my daughter experience and everything is that that 10 to 15 percent whatever that percentage is are not being used utilized you know we want to go to mars we're going to go far beyond that we want to come up with inventions that no one's ever thought of and there's 10 to 15 percent of the world population that some breakthrough i can maybe mention some names of current and past dyslexia people if you're interested but some breakthrough, but really the 10 to 15% for reasons I can mention are really not being utilized. Mm. Okay. Okay. Now, what I've noticed is when you're talking about these people, these aren't people that we would say, you know what, hey, that person is dys dyslexic or you know, what's wrong with that person? Because you mentioned the president of Virgin. And I mean, I'm like, this guy owns this company. This is a multi, this isn't even like a multi-million. I think it's multi-billion dollar company. So yeah. these are people that are successful. So they've actually surpassed what we would say is the bar on some of these things. So a lot of times I think 
and I'm saying I'm saying this because there are parents that always worry about, well, how is my child going to be viewed? You know, I, I can't let anyone know that this is going on because they're going to be looked at in a certain way. How do you get past that stigma? Um, in when I grew up in the 60s, 70s, you weren't diagnosed. Now it's called diagnosed. So um, at sort of age nine, it's good to go, like my daughter had, good to get a psychological test done. And this is the issue. Once you're now tested to be dyslexic, what do you do then? And so I'll get to the crux of that now. The dyslexia associations worldwide, um, they use traditional products that make a dyslexic person sequential. So in my book, I discover uh, research where they put you uh, down this tunnel, the fMRI studies, the x-ray tunnel, and it shows that a dyslexic person mainly uses the right side of the brain. So the right side is the innovative, creative side. The left right. side, which is the non-dyslexic person, is the sequential side. So the sequential side is great for the educational system. So if, if there's a pack of cards, if you want to get the ace of hearts, the left brain can go and get that ace of hearts. And that's a gift in its own right. However, a dyslexic person uses the right side of the brain. It's like a pack of cards being scattered. To get the ace of hearts is very difficult. So a dyslexic person needs to go through the whole pack of cards to get the ace of hearts. And that is the gift of dyslexia. Because when you go through the whole pack, it takes longer. You can see things far more holistically. I've always known I can see things other people cannot. So what happens with dyslexia associations? They use traditional products that the same study shows after a year using these traditional products that just basically hammers words into a person, a dyslexic person already tired from schooling and after hours now have to hammer in more words and after a year that person becomes left-minded sequential uh, so what i'm saying is you're taking the gift away the gift is the right side use a product that um that retains the gift and keep the person right side minded because um all all these people with the right hand brain gift are the people that can really innovate. So Caspase University in the UK has shown that um, dyslexics are four times more likely to be innovators than non-dyslexic people. Really? Yes. So, you know, we're sitting on, you know, if, if you, the, the higher, dyslexic people are low in the autism spectrum. The higher up you go, You've got autistics and you've got Asperger's. And there it's a social interaction issue as well. So yin and yang, scientists know it. For every negative, there's a positive. So the more you've got a gift or a genius, the more you've got a negative on the other side. It's, it's science. So autism people and Asperger's people are the most gifted. They... They can, you know, but 
So what I'm really calling for is society to change. For um, like black people had to, you know, in, in all over the world, but if you, you're in the US, you know, through Malcolm S. X and uh, Martin Luther King and others, so many years, and it's still ongoing. You had to get society to change over a period of time. Right. Society now to change and accept that dyslexia is a gift and not use traditional products. And believe me, it's a hard call. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is. So, okay. What is one way that you think people can really start to move forward now and not really and stop looking at stop looking at it in that in that with that stigma okay there's a few ways the the first thing is let let me just mention uh, a few of the names of people that's dyslexic so that if firstly a person dyslexic person autism person can uh, but i mentioned dyslexic people's names now can know others have done it um, so alive today, I'll just mention sort of the more internationally known names, Richard Branston, Cher, Whoopi Goldberg, Tom Cruise, Jay Leno, Andrew Warhol. Um, I'm just flicking through names. That's not, that's, like, that's not Ozzy Osbourne, Steven Spielberg, Orlando Bloom, Sylvester Stallone, Erin Brockovich, Noel Gallagher, um, historic figures, figures, Albert Einstein, Nikolai Tesla, Michael Faraday. Stephen Hawkins, Steve Jobs, Robin Williams, Henry Ford, Da Vinci, Newton, Walt Disney, Thomas Edison, Casso, John Lennon, Winston Churchill, Alexander Bell, Jefferson, John F. Kennedy, Woodrow Wilson, George Wilson, the Wright brothers, Muhammad Ali. So the first thing is, I would say, know that others have done it and they would have struggled to get there. You know, you can go through people on Netflix and whatever through their lives. They didn't get it uh, easy. It would have been a big struggle. The second thing is you have to use affirmations. And this is not only for dyslexic people. If you really want to achieve something. So one of my favorite quote uh, out at this point in time is Thomas Edison. Right? As you know, he had about 10,000 inventions of which a thousand he patented. And his famous quote is, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. So it's 1% inspiration, 99% sweat. Now, if, if you go out and you want to achieve something, like for instance, in my journey now with dyslexia, where I'm going completely against the grain, you need affirmations to help you along the way. So if you get out of bed in the morning and um, you say today is going to be a bad day and you continue that, your life will become bad. And, you know, if you use negative words like that the whole time. Where if you get out of, if you have a different thing in you and you see life as flowers, it's not as weeds, so if you have affirmations that you say dyslexia is a gift or if you're non-dyslexic, I'm a genius and I'm going to uh, achieve this. And you need to, I, when I started off about uh, 2009, 10, I, 
I had 50 affirmations a day. I don't have that many. You, you, you just need one. And a fantastic book on this is um, by a guy called John Dimitini. He got me going. And his book, Inspired Destiny. Uh, Inspired Destiny have got suggestions of affirmations. But to write your own affirmations as well. And then just to finish, the, the third one, which is covered in this book by John Dimitini and Spy Disney. But don't forget to buy my book as well, Dyslexia Code. Um, the, the one is, he lists the seven areas of life, like spiritual, mental, vocational, familiar, social, and, you know, two others. And then you, you need to work out where you are within those seven areas. So you, you, if you really want to excel, you need to find out what you're really thinking about. You know, what posters you put on your uh, walls and, and really who you are. You know, I, I saw myself vocational and just familiar, which I'm still are, but I never realized that I'm highly spiritual. I always wanted to help people. That's uh, right. And that's where I've changed my focus. Now, as soon as you change your focus, then you need affirmations to, to help you because then you're going to get a lot of people is going to be negative towards that. Not that they're negative, they mean well, but they cannot see things through your eyes. Okay. Okay, now... What do you mean by they, in other words, they just have trouble seeing it the way you're seeing it? Yes. So if, if someone uh, is, say, non-dyslexic, let's just stay with dyslexia. I have other issues with myself. The question is, uh, and, and especially family and close friends, they're concerned about you from a, employability point of view, money cash flow point of view, and stuff like that. If you now are writing a book on dyslexia and want to have an event called the International Celebration of Dyslexia Event, how can you make money out of this? So one of the most important things is you can make money out of anything. You have to have the confidence in that. But it doesn't mean you just need to go into that. Fortunately, I could keep my work you know, I, I did project work for like 18 months and then I six months off, that, that kind of thing in the building industry. So it's very important to, to have other works when you're going. But right. the other people cannot see. First of all, they don't see that what you're thinking is correct. Yeah, I'm going against what all dyslexia associations are doing, firstly. Secondly, how can you make money out of dyslexia? Thirdly, how can you write a book about dyslexia? Either a guy that wrote a book about dyslexia that's got a degree in psychology saying to me, how can I write a book about dyslexia? Now, I haven't got a degree in psychology. I've got a degree in quantifying and a, a MSc in property development, but I haven't got a degree in psychology. But I'm dyslexic. He's not even dyslexic. So there's, uh, I certainly found that if you, I didn't choose to go against the grain what a marketing person calls a disruptor. I didn't choose it. All my three books are disruptor books. I like to call it whistleblowing books. Within my three sectors, the biggest whistleblowing books out. And right. when you're talking about dyslexia, the reason why it's a whistleblower, 
is because 10 to 15 percent of the population are not being utilized. Their gifts of, of their gift of dyslexia and autism and Asperger are being taken away. I can mainly just talk for dyslexia, but that gift is certainly being taken away. Hmm. Okay. So, so it's really up to us to really help people utilize their gifts. Is that what you're saying? It's, um, no, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's for society to understand that a dyslexic person needs to retain their right-hand side gift and then and help with the change. And that's where the dyslexia associations need to change over time. That's my main okay. focus, that over time. Okay. Okay. And then the individual just need to, for free, come to an event or streaming ticket or after the event, we're going to video. It's going to only take place once. And right. then they can see it for free. I'm going to market it for the rest of life on ICD.world and read my book. So my book is on Amazon. The, the dyslexia code, it's $3.50. And there's a Kindle book for something like $5 as well. Uh, that's a Kindle okay. book. Hold, okay, hold on. Is it $3.50? Is it, is it that US or is that? That's US. Okay. So that's the Kindle book. And then I've got an auditory book that's something like just, I think it's $5.30 or something like that, US. Okay, so guys, if you're into reading it, you can definitely get it on Amazon. If not, you can get the audio on Kindle. So, okay, let's talk more about this event. So this is happening in October. And you're, you're planning on... Are you trying to reach everyone? Are you trying to reach specifically people who are affected by, by affected by dyslexia? Who are you trying to reach? I'm trying to read parents with dyslexic children, dyslex anyone that's dyslexic, because obviously on Amazon, it's a lot of parents will go on there to to get help for the kids. Uh, any dyslexic, any learning support teacher or whatever they call the teachers, different countries use different names. In the UK, they call it SENCOS, Special Educational Needs Coordinators. Um, any, um, yeah, they, those are the groups. Um, so uh, anyone in the autism spectrum is very welcome as well. It's anyone that wants to retain their right side giftedness because there's a, a, a Richard Whitehead will speak about the Davis's method, which is a holistic approach um, that uh, has did wonders for my daughter. And in my book, I discuss other complementary methods as well. Uh, I couldn't find a, a book that went through all the complementary, traditional uh, um, complementary, they also call it alternative methods. And I went, I go through all the things. So. I, I used on my own, I used the listening program, which is the auditory program as well. So it's not just this one method. So it's, it's just a, it's an event. It's, it's that people not only get the know how and this one method, but also know that there's other methods in this book that's only $3.50, but that they then walk out there and know they have a gift and hopefully have a 
placard on their wall saying dyslexia is a gift. And once that happens, then life can change. Then have affirmations and just go do, you know, write Thomas Edison's quote on, you know, uh, genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. So then get a great idea and go for it, research it, research it, research it. And then once you found something that's unique and, uh, you know, uh, or a field or what, whether it's helping people, whatever you're doing in life, then pursue it. And, and um, you know, th this is where a, a, a black person, black life, you know, anywhere in the world, they've had to go up, you know, much harder to achieve things. And that's actually a gift. I list that as a gift under dyslexia. A dyslexic right. person has to struggle far more in life. And actually in later life, you're used to struggling. And actually that's a gift because then you can achieve. Then you're used to getting knockdowns where other people are not used to getting knockdowns. That is true. That is definitely true. So, okay. I have a, I have a personal question to ask you. So a young man that grew up in the 60s in South Africa, did you ever think that you would be reaching people all over the world? Did that little boy just think that someday, you know what, I am going to talk to people not just here in South Africa, not just here in Pretoria, but all over the world? Not in a million years. So when I... Uh, my father was at one of the sort of top firms in South Africa, quantizing firms, and they had something like ten offices all over South Africa. And it's a, it's a, it's a chartered quantizing. So quantizing is only in the Commonwealth countries, um, but it's there are some in, in, in the US. But it's accountant in the building industry. But it's more than that. It's into contract law and all these kind of things. Any case, so. He was a, uh, one of the biggest firms, which he started, and then with his partners, they built up. So I went uh, at school. Then I went to two-year national service in the Navy, South African Navy, which out of interest, because the first time in my life, I lived with black people in the same dormitories. Uh, you know, apart from, obviously, I had domestic help, but the first time, and that was fantastic years, and, and, you know, bigger, the movie that I still, one of my top three movies is Hair. Hair came out late 70s, early 80s. Mm -hmm. And I was in the Navy, 81, 82. You know, fantastic movie. So just huge change in South Africa was taking place and stuff like that. And um, so did the Navy. And then I went to go and study, actually, University of Victoria, the Bokunda, so it's building management which wasn't quantisurveying. But after a year, I switched to quantisurveying because I said to myself, only a quantisurveyor can practice as a professional because you could register where a, a building manager, anyone can do it. So I changed to my father's profession. And then, uh -huh. so, you know, at school, I always, I always wanted to be a teacher, but I looked at my teachers. And that's not, you know, they're not making a lot of money and don't really, you know, there's some teachers I really admired, but most uh, I didn't. And so, but then I had a dream, I had a, not a dream as such, like uh, like dreaming it at night, but I had a vision to 
have a quantum swing firm in London, sitting in London. And I then achieved that. I went to London, worked for another quantum swing practice for three years. And then wow. with my father's practice, started the London practice, but from scratch, myself and, a, and an, another guy, and built it up. But at no point did I even dream that I would lose my, my marriage, uh, that I would lose everything financially, and that I would end up writing three whistleblowing books and be speaking to you now, not in a million years. Wow. I mean, like, I'm, I'm listening to you and I have to salute you because your journey is so awesome. Like, so, so awesome. And it was one of those things of when the change came, you just like, you welcomed it. You, you didn't know where you were going per se. You didn't know what was going to happen, but you kept going. And I, I find that very, very awesome. Well, what changed me, I was really asleep until 2000, until subprime, world subprime, it was American banks that called all this, was August 2007, and only really hit the world 2008. And I was sitting with this property that the banks promised to lend me more money. And then subprime happened, and they said they're not going to lend me the money. And that just cascaded things, because I have property in London, in uh, Invest, investment with others in Poland, Warsaw, Poland, Bratislava, Slovakia, uh, and also South Africa. And it just, that one property pulled everything under. And wow. then I started researching the mines. And then I got into a book, uh, Inspired Destiny. And then I met John Lutini. And then I went to an event called Master Plan for Life, blah, blah, blah. And so actually losing everything is that was the best thing from me, you know, it had negatives, yin and yang, but from a positive point of view, it's, I'm now talking to you. So that woke me up. And, and um, so otherwise I wouldn't have been speaking to you now. Wow, that is awesome. So guys, again, Carl's information will be in the show notes. Definitely check out his book and sign up go to icd okay i'm going to butcher this please give us the website again it's icd.world so that icd stands for international celebrations dyslexia and the ticket should be up by end of february and definitely make sure you get your tickets because guys this is free so definitely make sure you're getting your, your tickets. And if you're a parent out there, if you're curious, if this is affecting you, or if you just want to be able to help someone else, definitely make sure you're getting your ticket for this event. But again, Carl, thank you. Thank you so much. It has been amazing having you. Thank you, Quimpen, and thank you for your time. I hope that you guys got a lot out of this and if there are any parents out there or anyone affected by dyslexia or is just curious, wants to help other people and wants to go to this event, 
all of Carl's information will be in the show notes. Don't forget to check out his book, which is available on Amazon and an audio audible version. So it's only three fifty on Amazon and the audible version is only $5. So guys, make sure you're getting the book. All of that information will be in the show notes as well. But guys, as always, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and happy shopping. Hey, this is Chewy, host of Screaming Chewy Show podcast, and you're currently listening to CQP Moments. Stay tuned.